hello and welcome to the JLA Cast, a podcast in which we explore life in the time of Grant Morrison across the DC universe and beyond. My name's John and I'm a writer and creator of Afterlife Inc. And I'm PJ and I'm the writer of the graphic novel adaptation of Steve Jackson's The Trolltooth Wars. Oh, and we're back. We're back in the room, the virtual room. The virtual room where we do our virtual things. <laughs> For the kind of the grand finale? You know, of the first JLA part of the, the the grand finale for sure. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's certainly um, we, we we're coming up on momentous momentous occurrences now. Um, after after a year's worth of um, of activity. Uh, well, mm, it's not well, taken us a year because well, oh, no, well, we've we've mostly been on a fortnightly schedule. Mostly, yeah, we missed a couple. I mean, but it's been about know, it's, six months for us. It's been a thing. It's, it's been an undertaking. And, uh, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see see where we go from here. Yeah, me too. Um, I uh, don't think I've mentioned this on air, PJ, but since we last spoke or recorded, or actually if I have mentioned this on air, please correct me and I'll shut up about it. But I performed, performed, presented my first Pecha Kucha to... Yep. You told me about it, but you haven't mentioned it on the show. The the Heroes Reborn one. Yes, yeah. So uh, this is a particular form of presentation, which I believe was developed by a God. I want to say like a Japanese engineer engineering firm, right? As a way of getting their staff to talk about things quickly, and the idea is that you have. Uh, you stand up on a stage in front of people. Yeah. Uh, as traditionally, that's how presentations work. Yeah. And you talk uh, for the duration of 20 slides. So they present 20 slides up on uh, the screen that will each last 20 seconds. So they're, they're just running without your control. Uh, you've just got to talk, talk, talk and uh, keep on schedule. And I think 20 slides, 20 seconds each. I think that works out about six minutes, 40 seconds. Right. And the idea is that now it is a, uh, uh, a uh, an open source global format. So anyone can put on a Petra Kucha event and you just get a bunch of completely random people and completely random subjects. People come together and just talk and you go along to a Petra Kucha evening and you've absolutely no idea what you're going to hear. People could be talking about anything. Um, and this is the first time I've been to one uh, and certainly the first time I've presented at one and like you know I figured what could be more sensible than trying to explain Marvel Heroes Reborn in 6 minutes 40 seconds (laughs) and how did that go? I well I had a good time and I think uh, I think people enjoyed it I think people enjoyed it I actually had a surprising number of questions uh uh, from and I, and I mean this like in I really just can't think of a better way of describing them from quote unquote normal people. Oh dear! Oh yeah! You know what I mean? These are these are not. These Which are one not of them, inher- Why does Captain America look like that? Um, that that Captain America image did did turn up on a slide. Um, <laughs> I uh, it was so funny. Like I I I ended up getting a lot of weirdly warm nostalgic feelings for yeah. for that that whole project because that was definitely my gateway into uh western comics uh, american comics but um 
yeah, there's some uh, some real stinkers. Uh, into you know, I was I was getting collecting images for the Slikes and um, Crikey, there are some real real stinkers when it comes to character design. There. Yes, yes, there. Yeah, are. I I know it's very easy to to rag on Rob Rob Liefeld, but like. Crikey, some of his Avengers images from around that time are, are, are they're really not great. I remember when I was um writing a piece on them for <clears throat> for the Sidekick Cast website, which is now defunct, sadly, so the piece is no longer there. Um but where I was just trying to find an image of Rob Liefeld's swordsman from yeah. the Avengers. And oh that there was not one where that character looked good. <laughs> well, that was that was really weird in itself, wasn't it? It's like it, it was like, because God, and it's actually weird to think about it, that I guess the Ultimates uh, were only four, five years later. Yeah, yeah, something that, like that. That's kind of mad, isn't it? Like, yeah, just just weird that like it, it was effectively doing the same thing. Like, let's reboot uh, some major characters. But it's weird what they did and didn't reboot. Like, you know, Scarlet Witch is still at least for a few issues still kind of running around in what looks like a a 1960s costume Mm. and it doesn't look great and then you've got like Hawkeye only he's wearing like a brown costume and he's got like a weird mask on and and like and then just Sorgsman is around you know it's like who was crying out for Sorgsman well also it's not even the same Swordsman is it it's like it, it I don't think it's Jack Duquesne no an excellent knowledge PJ I can't believe you knew that I'm pretty sure there was in between, I want to say it was before the Ultimate line came out, but after Heroes Reborn had finished, Marvel put out a series of Heroes Reborn one-shots that were set in the Heroes Reborn universe after the Marvel heroes had left. Mm. And I, because th- you still had a few like Bucky, um, the Heroes Reborn Bucky was still around, and Rebel and Swordsman was still there. But I'm pretty sure that re- ended up revealing. I don't think Liefeld was involved, but that ended up revealing that the Heroes Reborn Swordsman was actually the Heroes Reborn Deadpool. Oh, okay. I I know there was some weird talk about how the Heroes Reborn Hawkeye was actually meant to be Simon Williams. Oh. Yeah. Why? Which, which which again means means nothing. There's no there's no real kind of twist there. Yeah, why but, why do that? Yeah. It is weird, isn't it? I know I know um Marvel revisited the whole brand name of Marvel of Heroes Reborn. I, I mean they revisit everything, don't they? They're they're about to relaunch the ultimate line. Are they? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yep. Well, yep. as a as like a quote unquote hard reboot of the Ultimates line. I don't or... know the details. I've only seen a couple of images. It looks like there are four titles, Ultimates, Ultimate Spider-Man, Ultimate X-Men, and Ultimate Black Panther. Wow, okay, so that's a weird that's a weird cross-section. Well, um... it's the three main Ultimate books, isn't it? The X-Men, Spider-Man, Ultimates. It's just Ultimate Black Panther that's something different and new. But yeah, I, I don't know any details beyond that. Interesting. Yeah, I guess I guess that could be an interesting that raises interesting questions in itself. Like, could that be sustainably going forward what the Ultimates brand is? Like, if you have the main Marvel continuity and that has a history, has never really been subjected to a hard reboot, 
But, you know, there's there's kind of character creep and, you know, story creep and things get weird for a while, then they stabilise. And then every 20 years or so, they do The Ultimates, which is like a kind of fresh retelling based on whatever current societal storytelling is you well, know is based on maybe but the character designs certainly the i mean ultimate spider-man just looks like spider-man it's it looks like they're going back to peter parker mm. um rather than miles morales and he's just in the classic suit and the ultimates cover it just looks like it is the brian hitch designs of those characters as far as i didn't have not a detailed look but certainly it looks like that to me so i don't know if it's going to be an actual reboot or if they're just going to say oh look these are back and we're picking up where it left off or i don't know as i say i haven't read any news stories or anything of it i've just seen the um the images but yeah it's back because in the um was it the ultimate i i had i had fallen off the the ultimates universe a long time prior but I, I did I did read a lot of it originally. And, I read know, felt- the entirety of it. I read every single Ultimate book from beginning to end of that imprint. Um, wow. And there was really good stuff in there. Like, I, overall, I had a great fondness and still have a great fondness for the Ultimate line. I, I really enjoyed Bendis' Ultimate Spider-Man. I do think mm-hmm. that's still probably the best thing he's ever done I agree. Uh, in yeah. Marvel and DC comics. <clears throat> um, Ultimate X-Men started well then sort of went downhill then picked up again you know there was a lot of good stuff in there and even after when it all sort of changed over a bit when miles morales comes in and new directions for the ultimates and the ultimate x-men and everything there was still some really interesting ideas in there and some very good stuff but i think when it ended there was this feeling that i certainly i had where i was like do you know what this kind of has run its course now um it was an interesting experiment that lasted a good what eight ten years maybe mm-hmm. um to do a new version of marvel continuity but now it's sort of starting to have the same issues that marvel the main main continuity has in terms of eating its own tail and referring to obscure things because it's now got 10 years and hundreds of issues to play with so yeah maybe ending it was the right thing and bringing miles morales into the main marvel universe was also the right call um so yeah, for them to be bringing it back again, just I, I am a little bit why why are you doing that? Yeah, particularly when you're like, you know, you were saying, you know, they look like the classic Brian Hitch designs. You know, it's like, are we are we just revisiting that universe and rebooting it because there's enough people out there who potentially, you know, who who have love for that world, or is it a new modern modern re I, retelling? I I don't know. It's, it's funny, like you know. You, it, maybe I, I, this is just a very small bell that I'm ringing here, but like <laughs> I could almost, I could almost get behind, you know, the idea of Marvel and DC each having a side label, for lack of a better word, an imprint where it solves the problem of long-term continuity, and as you said, PJ, the problems where it's a snake eating its own tail, that it's you know how do how do you get new readers on board by every periodically doing a side reboot where you know oh i really i'm really enjoying the marvel cinematic universe but i can't get into the comics because i don't you know recognize where these characters are at but marvel could go ah but we've got the ultimates which only started last year and you know is like a more kind of fresh down to earth the characters are newer they they've only recently become active sort of continuity and then the two things could coexist potentially yeah 
Yeah, I've just Googled it because I'm actually really curious now about what's happening with this Ultimate Universe. Marvel announced it at New York Comic Con the other weekend mm-hmm. um, at their next big thing panel. And um, so, oh, it turns out there was a recent miniseries written by Jonathan Hickman called Ultimate Invasion, which introduces a new Earth where the maker, which was Ultimate Reed Richards as a villain... Yes. Who who also managed to escape to the Marvel Universe. Was trying to stop the emergence of Earth's heroes. Ah, uh, okay. And yeah, it's a new version of the Ultimate Universe then, because his meddling leads to Spider-Man, Black Panther, and the X-Men appearing. And I uh, know there's not an Ultimates book, but there's a one-shot that starts it, Ultimate Universe 1, which is by Hickman and with art uh, by Stefano Caselli, who I do like. And then Hickman will do Ultimate Spider-Man with Marco Cecchetto, who's another artist I like, drawing it. Um, and apparently his version of Ultimate Spider-Man is inspired by the uh, Peter B. Parker from the um, uh, Across the Spider-Verse films, which okay. is great. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, and then Ultimate Black Panther is by Brian Edward Hill, who's a writer I'm not familiar with. Uh, but it's some. Oh, they've sort of merged some Moon Knight aspects of it. Konshu and Ra are involved. Oh no, Black Panther opposes a union between Konshu and Ra. Uh, and then another writer I'm not familiar with, Peach Momoko, who's done some X Men stuff before. Apparently, is going to write and draw Ultimate X Men. And Armor okay. is going to be the main character of that book. So who's going to be the main character? Armor from the oh! Joss Whedon Astonishing X Men. Oh, okay. Interesting. So, yeah, but the if I go to the images, yeah, Ultimate Universe One very much has um, Brian Hitch. In fact, I think that's a Brian Hitch cover. Uh, yeah, Brian Hitch's takes on Captain America and Thor, slightly tweaked Thor, but it is still that design with then and sort of Ultimateified Silver Centurion version of Iron Man, and then like a Doctor Doom and Lady Sif looking characters. So okay, okay, well. Yeah. It's uh, okay. I'm gonna have to look into this for myself. It, it, it's weird in a way because it's kind of like it sounds like a um, they're not going for um, I don't know what the word is, but like a, a definitive retelling of these characters, like you know, bringing armor up to the front, you know, kind of weaving, weaving some of um, you know, kind of uh, maybe the Moon Knight mythology into Black Panther, you know. Uh, this sounds very alternate universe-y. It, it which... sounds to me like basically Marvel giving Jonathan Hickman a playground to play in and do what he wants, but then obviously yeah. bringing in some other writers as well, but sort of all overseen by him, which I'm fine with. I mean, other than his Avengers run, which did leave me cold, which very clever stuff, but mm. lacked heart in my opinion, I have liked a lot of Hickman's Marvel work. Well, I, while I haven't read it, he's certainly on a, a tear away mm. with, or has been with all the X-Men stuff. And my yeah. brother's a big X-Men reader, so he's been enjoying that. Yeah, Joe Glass, I know, has been big on the Hickman X-Men stuff and really enjoyed it. Wow. Well, yeah, I think I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head, Peter. It definitely sounds like we're giving a writer who has treated us very well over the last years, we're giving them, you know, a big a big sandbox to play in. Um, it, it, it's interesting though because it, it's is it just I don't know this is probably going to be the dilemma facing editorial every day but it's like is it just another universe you know that for, for people to keep track of and it's like I it's mean, not 
better or worse. It's just different. It's, it's probably going to end up that way. Mm. I mean, having read what I've read just now and how they're doing it and who's involved, I'm a lot more up on it than I was 10 minutes ago. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, no, that sounds quite cool, actually. fair. I probably won't pick it up because I'm just not really picking up any Marvel books at the moment. Um, but no, it does sound quite cool. And I'm sure down the line, I might pick up some a trade here and there to just check it out out of curiosity. Mm. Uh, like I, I occasionally do <laughs> with modern comics. But it is funny, though, isn't it? Because you could have called it anything in the same yeah. way that that new Heroes Reborn thing with the Squadron Supreme could have been called anything. Yes. Um, it, it seems almost so tenuous. Apart from the um, Reed Richards maker connection, uh, it just seems so weird to call it the Ultimate Universe other than it's a, rec- it's a recognizable brand. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people still to this day, I believe, really don't like that that's what marvel did with the ultimate version of reed richards but i have to say i think it was a really clever thing for them to do and i'm a big fan of it because ultimate fantastic four ended up getting cancelled i believe and just the characters they weren't doing much with them so to turn reed into a villain for the whole ultimate the ultimate universe is dr doom effectively i know they had a dr doom but he didn't really do a lot and to turn reed richards into that instead and then have him move over to the Marvel Universe. You have this evil genius version of Reed Richards. I was all for. I thought, yeah, that works for me. No, I I, I agree, and I think because I, re- I you know like you, PJ, I, I I didn't read quite as much as you, but I I very much enjoyed what I did read of the Ultimate Universe, and I think it was perhaps one of the th- when it when it was succeeding, it was when it was it felt like it was doing something different. Yes. Um, you know, like the Ultimates. I really liked the Ultimates um, until I kind of stopped liking it. And the Ultimates um, obviously was very, <laughs> very grim in places. It was. It was very of its time. Uh, yes. I enjoyed it at the time. I don't think it's aged well at all. Mm. Um, almost to be honest, the, the volume three, the Jeff Loeb, Joe Madarara version which was bad at the time. Weirdly, I think, has almost aged better than the Mark Miller <laughs> take on the characters. But Yeah, it's so weird, because I, I, I really, really liked The Ultimates. Mm. Um, but then, of course, you know, like as you said, you look back on it, and you go like, well, some bits are just a bit joyless. So a lot of it is needlessly nasty. Yeah, there's... Um, there's an, I feel like there's a streak of misogyny through it that just isn't maybe i I missed the first time around or but the the, these days you know post me too and everything it's a bit questionable Mm. no i i agree and and you know for for better or for worse turning i guess the avengers into a i guess a quasi military organization that was you know, and it's very kind of like, you know, post 9-11, yeah. war on terror kind of vibe. Um, that's in- That was quite interesting because it was different. And they, they did kind of commit to the bit, you know, for better or for worse. So, And I thought that that kind of is why it kind of stood out. And for a while, the Ultimates was kind of more interesting than the regular Avengers, I think, to a lot of people. Yeah, um, I think so. Which is which is obviously a shame because they came along during the Busick run on Avengers, which was always better. <laughs> and I think it's just you know prior prior to the the Marvel movies, like 
I don't know, the Avengers were, it was no Justice League, mm-hmm. basically. You know, they, they, I liked it, you liked it, but they, they weren't really capturing the wider, wider audience. So this kind of badass, uh, kind of slightly uh, more cynical take on them yeah clearly did really well and but then it sort of just bled into the marvel universe because it had done well as well because if you look at the jeff johns run on avengers which i do like i think it's a good run but the costume changes there suddenly carol danvers is in this just completely bland it's effectively a black onesie with some armor on it and that was really bizarre yeah, yeah it was just a bad costume and ant man's costume which was pretty good to be fair but it looked mm. like an ultimate it looked like a Brian Hitch designed ultimate costume. Yeah. And it's and and it's funny, isn't it? Because like um you know, you mentioned um you know Bendis's run on Ultimate Spider Man, which of course is, you know, uh nigh on universally loved. Uh and I, I read it and I, I didn't read all of it, but I read a good, good, good chunk of it and I very much liked it. And yeah. I, I agree that I think it's probably one of the best things he's written. Um but I, I think it also played very much into his strengths which is where he had like a body of work he could adapt it was very much like you know oh now we're getting the shocker now we're getting the sinister six that sort of thing but he could tell this long form story in a way which the original spider-man never really did and it was it was you know great um and then of course you got like the fantastic four and the opening book, you know, they 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 go. Well, what's a more modern version of trying to win the space race? Okay, it's, they're opening a portal to another dimension. Gives them weird powers. Fine. What I also find really interesting about the first arc of Ultimate Fantastic Four is it was co-written by Miller and Bendis. Yeah, are very different writers. I think they get on really well and are quite good friends, I believe. But they are very different as writers, and it kind of worked in a weird way. <laughs> Yeah, I I think so. I I think it's it's very interesting that the two of them were such architects of the ultimate universe because while they're they're different, I I think it it definitely kind of played to both their strengths. Like um, you didn't, you could be a bit more, I think both of them could be a bit more in the moment because they didn't have to think about the higher concept stuff. Like, um, you know, Bendis could just focus on characterization and humor because you know you had such a body of work to just pull from i think it was when the that universe was pushed to try and do something truly different that it struggled yeah you know like ultimate spider-man is a lot of fun but when bendis introduces very briefly admittedly ultimate daredevil and ultimate doctor strange Mm. they're basically just the same characters from the from the main universe They, they it's like they couldn't think to do anything different or interesting with them. You know, it's like when um, Ultimate Hulk first turns up, I think in a Bendis-written Ultimate Team-Up book. Yeah, Ultimate Marvel Team-Up, yeah. You know, he's basically just regular Hulk. Yeah. And, you know, and you go like, well, okay, this isn't very different to what we're already reading. Like, why should I be reading this? But then, of course, you know, when Miller takes over character and you know mixes it up and there's a bit of cap's blood float uh, thrown in you get this kind of sadistic cannibalistic borderline rapist hulk yeah and it's like well okay that's you know say what you will it's very different you know and i think that's where it did stand out because you know they are doing something different now of course 
it's not great in hindsight, but like, uh, you know, you you were so kind of taken aback by like, oh man, I can't believe they're they're doing these things. They're so daring yeah. that yeah, at least felt like the project was worth existing because they were yeah. doing something different. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and I think Fantastic Four maybe struggled because they didn't they didn't seem really know where to take it or how to make it different. Yeah, yeah. Like I know that Ultimate Fantastic Four is where the Marvel zombies were first introduced, uh, which yes. is bizarre to me. But, um, but yeah, there's not really anything else particularly memorable, I don't think, about it. I think the other thing that strikes out for me for the Ultimate line is when they did the Ultimate Power crossover miniseries, which J. Michael Straczynski wrote, which crossed over with his reboot of the squadron supreme in the supreme power story but oh. which then also brings in the classic squadron supreme as well as a third universe into the mix at one point and i remember enjoying that and that being a lot of fun but um but yeah yeah with yeah times. now that's that's god this is where you, you you try to explain comics to to quote unquote normal people but it's like how on earth where do you start with the squadron supreme yeah i mean to go from being like okay the squadron sinister then the Squadron Supreme, and then, as you say, the Supreme Power Universe. Was that was that kind of like was that coming out around the same time as as the Ultimate? So was it not a live book at that time? I think it was. Yeah, I think it. But I, I'm pretty sure it came out under the Max Comics banner, right? Because it was. I definitely remember there being swearing and nudity. So because <laughs> <laughs> that was very um, that was very uh, it was it was a lot like the Ultimate Universe, wasn't it? Like yeah. you know. Doc Spectrum. I, I remember his design quite strikingly. Like Doc Spectrum, he's just wearing like a kind of green flight suit. Yeah. But he's got the the crystal embedded in his 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 back of his hand, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, Night Nighthawk was more expressly like a kind of Batman esque vigilante. Yes, but the completely different costume. Like it was all black with uh, like a, a mask that covered the whole face. There was no cape. And the the mask was of these two yellow lights. So I thought Nighthawk had a really cool design in that series. I thought, yeah, and and they they kind of gave him a Joker, didn't they? Like there was like a clown. I think so. Guy. Yeah, it's been a while yeah. since I read it. Yeah, God, that's weird as well. Like, like, I wonder if yeah, God, and then of course you know Marvel Heroes Reborn comes back, and you know we're running with the Squadron Supreme again, like yeah. a kind of new version of them. So it's very strange. <laughs> So when are you going to put your Heroes Reborn presentation on YouTube? Well, it's, I don't know. It's a weird thing. Like, uh, I could upload the slides, but they would just be, it would just be completely silent. Uh, You've got it to wasn't record recor- you doing the conversation again, haven't you? You've got to redo uh, the presentation uh, and put it on YouTube, John, on the, the Big like, Punch YouTube channel. The thing is, it's kind of like, it's it, it's non-scripted. It would be, you know, it wasn't scripted at the time. I just had notes. So like... Uh, what you would get would be completely different, PJ. It would not oh. be. It'd be a reboot of the presentation. <laughs> well, that's almost perfect for the subject I, I, matter. <laughs> I, I do like the idea of because um, I'm going to do it again. There's another one in December. I like the idea of it becoming like an unofficial series of just explaining weird publishing decisions. Because <laughs> uh, I my 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 thesis, if you will, PJ, putting on my mortarboard was. It was it was just to get across the idea that like if you're publishing characters for that long, then every decision is both a creative one and a commercial one. Yeah. That's all I was trying to get across. It's like, you know, it was like, oh, how do we lure the image creators back? How do we make these characters hot and new and relevant for a new era? But then we have to come up with a story 
to make that possible. So trying to explain Onslaught, trying to explain Marvel Heroes, The Reborn, The Return. So I think my next one, I, I, I'm tempted, inspired by uh, a good friend and supporter of so many creative things we do, uh, Joe Scacy. Uh, I'm almost, I'm almost, I'm almost, I almost want to do Miracle Man. Oh, oh, go for it. Do it. Yeah. I, yeah. But record I'll it wa- this time. Oh, yeah. I'll try and record it. I want, I want to explain Miracle Man uh, going all the way back to the Captain, all of the Captain Marvels into Marvel Man into Miracle Man and then somehow try and talk about the Todd McFarlane, Neil Gaiman legal battles that led to Man of Miracles yeah. appearing in Spawn. Yeah, God, it's just such a such a rabbit hole. Like it's fascinating, really. <laughs> I yeah, and trying to do it briefly like that. Like I remember a, a number of years ago, a friend of mine who was sort of just new to comics at the time said, uttered the uh, the infamous phrase to me. Could you briefly explain Onslaught to me? <laughs> After two hours where I had gone on all the way from Fatal Attractions to the end of Heroes Reborn and Heroes Return, sure, I said, sure. and that is Onslaught in a nutshell. <laughs> you know, encompassing everything, Age of Apocalypse and the beginnings of Operation Zero Tolerance, explaining the Fantastic Four and Teen Tony Stark and The Crossing. It's just... If, I- it was. It, I've got to say, like you know, talking about the warm feelings. Like, I, I really want to dig them out, and I, I think in my brother's collection, I'd really love to reread bits of the Onslaught saga because I do have a lot of warm feelings for that period. And digging up some of these images for the presentation, I'd forgotten about them, and I found this absolutely lovely. I, 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 I always get confused. I can't tell if it was Andy Cooper or Adam Cooper, but. Just this amazing picture of all the Marvel heroes and Doctor Doom turning up to rescue the X-Men ahead of like the final confrontation. Oh, in, yeah, Onslaught. in Onslaught Marvel. I think that was Adam Kubert did um, Onslaught Marvel Universe, I think. It's, it's just beautiful. Mm. Like it's, I, 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 I love his artwork so much. Yeah, yeah same. It's stunning. Same. I did recently, a couple of years ago, reread. I started at... Um, I thought I want to reread Onslaught, but I want to do it properly. So I started at X Men Prime, the mm. one shot that came out right after Age of Apocalypse had just finished. I thought I could go back to Fatal Attractions, but I was like, I don't want to reread all of Age of Apocalypse as well. Just so I'm going to start <laughs> at X Men Prime, read through all the X Men books up to the point then when you get Onslaught X Men, and then read the whole Onslaught. So all the Avengers Fantastic Four and even the weird little tie-in issues where Onslaught doesn't appear, but you've got like the Spider-Man issues where Spider-Man fights some Sentinels and the Punisher oh, issues yeah. where the Punisher fights a Sentinel and things like that. Um, and yeah, I had a really good time. There are some really bad ones. I remember the Thor tie-in issue being awful. I haven't seen the, th- I haven't read the Thor one. I'm it's, afraid. it's really bad, really, really bad. But um, there's the some of the Avengers tie-in issues are quite fun. Like there's one where Wasp is like, oh no, Captain America's given up and, and now we're all doomed. And then it turns out he hasn't given up. He was just working out angles to throw his shield to make sure oh, the villains yeah. beat each other. So <laughs> I do remember that one, yeah. The uh the things that stand out to me, and I'm smiling as I as I think about it, so I'm gonna have to dig these out, is um when Onslaught takes over uh the Hulk. Yes. And Cable goes into the Hulk's mind. Yeah. Uh and he's like cycling through each of like, you know, Savage Hulk, Grey Hulk, Professor Hulk, 
Uh, that's really fun. Yeah, well, that was a two-part story in the event, isn't it, that ran through, crossed over from Cable to The Incredible Hulk, I think. Mm. No, that was that was fantastic. That was great. That was great. And I always love the moment, Joe Madera artwork, superb moment where they confront Onslaught and they're trying to free Professor X, but after he's already absorbed Franklin Richards. And they there's just this all-out attack which leaves a tiny little crack which Cyclops oh, yeah. spots and he like Cyclops takes off his visor and unleashes the biggest blast you so powerful it throws him backwards. <laughs> widens the crack and Onslaught just goes are you finished? And Cyclops says dunno, Thor. <laughs> and Thor <laughs> just bursts through Onslaught and frees Professor X and it's just such a beautiful moment and such a weird combo as well that Cyclops and Thor working together like that but yeah, that's that's a real high point of that story for me and I think the Joe Maderera artwork for that bit is just beautiful I, it's probably the main point in the whole Onslaught story that will always stick in my mind well, this is the thing. This is why I kind of want to dig it out because I I remember because um, because uh, growing up um, I was collecting Marvel Heroes Reborn mm. the the UK Panini reprints and uh, my brother was collecting uh, was it like a Central X Men which was the yeah. sister title and of course the 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 their, the the stories they were telling was slightly out of sync because uh, X Men was telling the onslaught saga. And of course, Marvel Heroes Reborn was wrapping up <laughs> yeah. the uh, the Heroes Reborn projects. Uh, so I was I, I would read both. I'd read I'd read my brother's comics as well, and I was like, still f- so fascinated by those X Men books. And and again, at an age where I didn't check who was writing it. Yeah. And I, and I think in hindsight, uh, Scott Lobdell. Scott Lobdell uh, was on Uncanny X Men, and Mark Wade was doing X Men. Yeah, and it's like, and I and I think um, certainly. Wade was involved in the kind of conclusion of the Onslaught saga, yeah. and I, I, I don't know if Scott Lobdell was as well. But I think, like, I, I think he was. Yeah, I remember those stories being like really strong and having like a, like a, a real darkness and scariness to them. I mm. remember when Onslaught first appears, and he's almost trying to like just reason with the X Men and say like why they should join him. Yeah, and like it's so sinister, <laughs> and oh god, I loved it, and um, I still to this day like this. This could be. You know, if I ever go, say I uh, something strange happens in my life, and I go back into academia, and I say like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a doctorate. It might just be on the conclusion of the Onslaught Saga because I do think that there was almost something bigger and and weirdly meta going on in the conclusion to that when it it did feel like the end of an era. I mean. And I, Look, if we ever get the time and energy to branch this podcast out and do the Marvel version of it as well, we have to start with the X-Men running into and through Onslaught, into Heroes Reborn, into Kurt Busiek's Avengers. I mean, God, yeah. I mean, we'd have to do it for the people, PJ. We have to do it for the people. Yeah, someone has to document this because... God, like... What we need is for you fine people out there in audio land (laughs) to start paying us to do this we need a benefactor to just give us a stipend to do this and then we can increase our output to weekly and we can do marvel one week and dc the other how does that I'll be sound PJ, folks i'll be honest with you pj i think it would have to be like borderline daily <laughs> to try and get through some of this content like what we need pj is a sinister well not a sinister but we need a we need a, a, an unknown benefactor who who talks to us through through an elderly businessman who may or may not be possessed by an alien that's exactly what we need 
That's you see, that's type. That's a segue. That is a segue. Uh, oh, I, actually, before I forget, PJ, I want to say very quickly, I have two Grant Morrison graphic novels coming in the post. Oh, very nice. What are they? Which I had to get secondhand. Uh, sea Guy, <laughs> which I've read once, but I I think I've read bits of. I've never actually read properly. Yeah. And the mystery play. I don't know that one. No, I don't know that one. No, the only reason I've even heard of the mystery play is that in the back of all the old uh, Doom Patrol Vertigo books, it used to be like, read the whole Grant Morrison library. And the mystery play was always listed. Oh, okay. And this was like, I, I've had to go like deep secondhand to try and find it. I think it's like a very early Vertigo title, like a one-off book. There's some collections I could find online which were a two-parter. It was like the mystery play and Sebastian O, uh, two like Vertigo miniseries, kind of collected by Grant Morrison, collected in one graphic novel. Oh, okay. But I already own, I already own Sebastian O. It's quite good. Oh, I don't I don't know those ones. So you'll you'll have to let me know how the mystery play plays out plays out indeed well i just find what i would say it's nice to still potentially be surprised just yes. when you think you've you've read everything <laughs> uh but pj i know i know gosh we, we talk we talk a lot about marvel heroes reborn on this i DC. i wanted to mention one more thing before we oh move pj on to please, JLA. Please, just just please. briefly i listened back to our last episode and there was a lot of bashing of chris claremont when he returned to x-men and he was on it for ages i did want to mention there is one chris claremont story from that era that I did really like just to just to provide some balance I guess which is just after Morrison left New X-Men and they switched things up again so they launched Astonishing X-Men with Joss Whedon they took New back off it so it was just Uncanny X-Men and X-Men um and then I think relaunched New X-Men as like a students at the academy book but they moved they cancelled Extreme and moved uh Claremont back over to Uncanny Mm -hmm. and his first story arc, Alan Davis was the artist, and he brought back the Fury, the old Captain Britain villain. And yes, I've read that. And yeah. it was really good. That story yes. arc is really good. Everything after that, eh, okay-ish at best. But that Fury story, he did it really well. So I just wanted to say that Claremont still had the odd moment after his X-Men return. Uh, the Fury is uh was that was it Excalibur that the Fury first turned up? No, it was in Captain Britain in the Marvel UK books, Alan Moore. Oh really? Was yep. it Alan Moore? From right, Alan well, Moore's run on Captain Britain in the eighties. God, that's gonna be my question. I wonder if that's easy to get hold of. I've got a trade that collects all of Alan Moore's run on Captain Britain. I don't know if it's still available, but certainly in the mid two thousands Marvel released it and Alan Moore even did an intro for it. Because obviously Alan Davis had did a lot of work on Captain Britain. Yeah, he's the artist on that run, and then he kept on drawing it. I think he even wrote it after Alan Moore left. Did how how much connection then did Claremont have to all the the weird British stuff? Like he wrote some of the like he wrote some of the original Captain Britain stuff. I think he may have co-created Captain Britain when it was the red costume, and he had the the staff before yeah. he then got incorporated into the Union Jack costume i think chris claremont wrote those original captain britain adventures and then certainly wrote the marvel team-up issues that in where captain britain first appeared in a u.s comic in a two-part story with spider-man where they battle arcade um, <laughs> but yeah so i think claremont co-created captain britain wow i just I just just thinking about it because i was i was 
flicking back through some of um, Claremont's run on Fantastic Four mm. after um, Heroes Return. The- for return, yes, and I hadn't realised that originally it was um, Scott Lobdell again, and Alan Davis. Oh, I thought uh, I thought it was Claremont from the start. Okay, no, I was surprised. I I I thought it was Claremont as well, but uh, and uh, and then of course it was Claremont and Salvador La Roca. Yeah, the same team that would go on to do uh, weren't they both on Extreme X Men? I think so. Didn't they also do Contest of Champions two? Oh, PJ, that's a deep dive. Crikey! <laughs> no one has no one has uttered the phrase "contest of champions" too. I, I think in potentially thirty years. Wow! <laughs> hey, I, I am what I am. That is remarkable. Um, <laughs> no, but I was surprised because there is a lot of Captain Britain stuff in um, in Claremont's run on Fantastic Four. A lot of Captain mm, Britain stuff. Yeah, yeah, and then. And then he leans into it again when he comes back to Uncanny X-Men. And did he? Well, he certainly brought Captain Britain into Uncanny X-Men around the House of M time. And that after that, they launched New Excalibur. Did he write that? Or... Oh. No, was that... Oh, no, PJ, was that... I know this. Oh, it wasn't David Hine. It was... Oh, it's really annoying. It's not except for Mike Targa. I can always remember the writer. I can picture his face. I'm, I'm I'm going to Google. Sorry, folks. Oh, we'll get to JLA Year One very shortly. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> You've been listening to uh, the JLX cast, <laughs> the only amalgam era and uh, Marvel themed podcast masquerading under a DC one. New Excalibur ran from 2005 to 2007. Uh, oh, come on! It wasn't it? Wasn't Peter Milligan? Because it? it was the oh, it might have been because Juggernaut was on the team, wasn't he? And they did, um, no, they had Pete Wisdom. Juggernaut, Pete Wisdom, Dazzler, Captain Britain, writers, Chris Claremont. Ah. Yeah, penciled by Michael Ryan. Well, there we go. That's issue one anyway. So certainly he did issue one. And then I think some, I think you might be right about um, who took over though. I think Peter Milligan may have taken it over at some point. It is funny that like Excalibur, and Captain Britain that have never seemed to never seemed to have like the kind of staying power as a title. Well, it did when it first, you know, the original Excalibur ran for over a hundred issues. So, okay, okay. because it was issue a hundred was part of the onslaught story. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I know they've tried several times. I mean, even like a few years ago, it wasn't quite Excalibur, but they did try to, Launch a new team of British superheroes. Do you Paul, remember that? Paul Cornell did um, Paul Captain Cornell. Britain and MI13, which was a really good book. Paul only, Cornell is what I was thinking of, yeah. Yeah, only lasted about 13 issues, um, but did a really cool Dracula story towards the end, like just before you then had the really silly Dracula story in the main X-Men books, um, <laughs> a few, like just after it. A, a really silly story that I, I really like, don't get me wrong, but in terms of this is very silly and I'm having a good time. This is not a clever story by any stretch sure. of Curse of the Mutants, I think. Uh, but PJ, um, as, as much as it is one, I, I'm always amazed at where, where we go with this when I we know. end up talking. There are so many comics we have to talk about. Uh, so many comics, so many podcasts we need to we need to found. Yeah. One um, but PJ, we are in the twilight years, the twilight months of JLA year one. Yes, we are. Issue 11. Uh, 
which has a very striking cover of like a, a fence with a lot of superheroes imprisoned behind it and superman is all chained up on a pole and his cape's been torn yes uh this is uh issue 11 of jla year one starlag earth that's a hell of a title from november 1998 it's all kicking off it really is and even even the first splash page is you know just says first they took superman and it's just a splash, splash, uh, a splash page. Sorry, of an unconscious Superman beaten and bruised as shadowy figures loom behind him. Yeah, uh, I, ha- I, I choose to believe that Superman was having like an off day or something. Well, they, they must have taken him by surprise, and they're very powerful. And you know, it's it really sets the stall out of of hey, we're not messing around here. <laughs> uh, uh, no, no, quite no. Um, and uh, again, it just you know. The, the constant presence of Superman. Like, even though we've been following, uh, you know, these five other heroes, um, Superman still means something. And now he's all bloody and bruised. It's not good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, then goes, and then they set their sights a little smaller and it shows us how whoever these people are, though we know from the end of last issue that it's the Appalachians invading, uh, her capturing the atom by luring him through a phone line and then just putting a jar over him. <laughs> Uh, it would have to be a quantum jar, one would imagine. It's it's got some energy. It, it sort of Kirby crackles him a bit, doesn't it? There's some energy in there, but yeah, they've 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 captured the atom, and then it shows two panels that I always forget because I always <laughs> forget how Blue Beetle got his arms back, a bit like how Stella got her groove back. Um, there's a reference I don't think anyone was expecting today, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just original Blue Beetle, whose name I've forgotten, even though I knew it last time we did this. <laughs> Um, he, he uh, he's probably a J, isn't he? Yeah, probably. But he's going. Ah, oh, I'm glad that people put my arms back on, and now I'm fine. And then he gets shot <laughs> in the back. Yeah. Um, I, I I I I hesitate to say that it is needless dialogue, but uh, it is nice that he fills in the blanks. Dan Garrett. Dan. Dan. It's a bit like J. It's one one syllable. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. So he's back to just being like an archaeologist, I suppose. Um. Doesn't help him, however, as he is—he's uh, blasted in the back by an unseen assailant. As we cut to the Metal Men, the, the Metal Men, and they're being attacked, and they go, "Ah, oh, we're, we're going to take you down!" And then they get taken out, and Platinum's head comes off. Yeah, and uh, again, I—I'm I, still just continually surprised at uh, how many superheroes there are in the world at this point. I know. Well, like. But- a lot of them are still holdovers from the 1950s where it was all science fiction adventurers, isn't, isn't it? And that's, I think, kind of a function the Metal Men had. And then they, I think, got sort of merged in as superheroes as the new DC universe sort of started. Yeah, it's, it's just, um, I mean, because obviously this entire project, you know, year one is very much like it, it is a love letter to those kind of Silver Age characters. Yeah. And, uh, and obviously in a... In a post, I got a PJ. I could do a petrocuture about this, but like in a post-crisis world, re- retelling these old stories, and you'd be forgiven for assuming that they'd almost take like more of a, say, an ultimate's approach to it, where it's like it's day one. There are two superheroes, you know, yeah. that's it. Yeah. But no, there's there's tons of these of these 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 uh, critters. Yeah. Because um, next we see them trashing the Batcave. Alfred's unconscious, and so is Batman, and they're they're picking him up. And then I think it's Hawkman because they're just holding a pair of wings that they're beating. Yeah, up. and and seriously, like poor Hawkman, not even like, on panel. Get, 
Yeah, but also like there's just the background image of these two hulking monsters just kind of repeatedly punching someone on the ground. So they obviously felt very threatened by Hawkman. I, I wondered if that was, you know, sort of the DC editorial thing of no one can use Hawkman at the moment because it's all very confusing. <laughs> but then he does sort of appear later on in the book, so I don't know. Yeah, well, maybe that's how it got around it. It's like no one can use Hawkman because of his weird... He's like the psycho pirate. Yeah. Uh, however, this is a flashback, PJ, to an era that didn't happen prior to... Well, it did, but you know what I mean. This We're already in a, t- a temporal nexus here. Yeah. So Yeah, and then, then we see a golden bird picking Johnny Quick up off the ground before he can finish shouting the formula that gives him his super speed. I Yes, I, I wanted to just confirm that this was Johnny Quick because I... I I was definitely going like, oh, that's definitely Johnny Quick. Oh, yeah, but yeah, like, it, is. it is. Yeah, thank you. I wasn't sure if it was like Captain Comet or something like no, that. that no, 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 that's, that's Johnny Quick. Yeah. So how does, like, in this context, PJ, how does um, how does the Flash feel? You know, we, we, there's there's a Golden Age Flash, and then there's there's our Flash, there's Barry, and then there's a Johnny Quick running around. Well, there's also a Max Mercury running around. <laughs> Have we seen a Max Mercury yet? Uh, Max at Mercury, at, at this point in continuity, had been folded into being one of the World War II heroes. I don't think he ever joined the JSA, but he was around in World War II. And is are they all canonically, yeah. at least now, Speed Force users? Yes, yeah. Although Johnny Quick accessed it through his formula, but there's a story later on where Jesse Quick says to him, or is it Jesse Quick? It's either Jesse Quick or Max Mercury. One of them says to him, you don't need the formula. It's you. You're just using it as a crutch. But obviously at this point, he still, he says the formula and he can go fast. I feel like, um, yeah, it's, it's something you get more in the DC universe than you do in the Marvel one. But it's like, uh, yeah, there are so many people who have flash powers. Yeah. Uh, which I almost kind of, I, I kind of like that that's just like an occupational hazard. It's like in um, DC One Million when Vandal Savage just like, there's a flash nearby. Yeah. Referring to like Jesse Quick because it's just like. Oh, yeah. Tuh. It's a Tuesday. We're dealing with a Flash again. Yeah, I think all, uh, Flash is like a shorthand for all speedsters. There is a Flash, but also all the speedsters are Flashes. Low, lowercase f, people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it's, it's nice to know that, you know, whether they're punching uh, a guy with wings who doesn't have his wings, um, a poor butler, someone with super speed, uh, or... Or a blind uh, man. Um, or a blind man, uh, they they use equal force on all of them. Yeah, uh, because there's, there's, there's then this poor Dr. Midnight who has a great costume, but they break his glasses and then he can't see anymore. <laughs> and, uh, you know, PJ, lest they be forgotten, um, the Blackhawks have also been taken down. Uh, I, do, do we have to assume then that the, the Appalachians have also taken down like every you know, militarized air force on the planet because surely the Blackhawks present less of a threat than, I don't know, the US Air Force. No, no, it's just the Blackhawks because they wanted their island. They're, they're using Blackhawk Island as a prison. And we see Appalachians guarding uh, the Freedom Fighters and then some other guys milling around in the background. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we're getting a lot of different, like, um, variations on Appalachian because the dude we see in the front who's kind of like, carrying a gun you know alien prison guard he looks kind of like a elephant octopus man sort of thing yeah not one of the eight we've met before basically. yeah and then the guy but in the background sort of looks a bit like Clayface. and um 
unless I'm mistaken, PJ, we have Uncle Sam. Yep. The Human Bomb. Yep. Uh, there's a miscolored Mighty Atom. Yes. Uh, I think Liberty Bell. I think that's supposed to be Liberty Bell, although, again, slightly miscolored if so. I think uh, that's a Black Hawk, as in, like, Captain Black Hawk, but yeah. minus his hat. And then it's either the Ray or the Shining Knight. I think that's the original Ray. Right. Okay, there we go. Happy days. So, yeah. yes. Uh, obviously, you... <laughs> You only have to throw a scone, PJ, and you'll hit a superhero around yeah, here. Yeah, but they are all prisoners of the Appalachians. And this is where we get our the title, Stalag Earth, and the credits. Mark Wade, Brian August, and Barry Kitson, storytellers, Michael Bear, Inca, Ken Lopez, letterer, Pat Garrahy, colorist, heroic age separations, Peter Damasi, editor. And then we cut to PJ, Metropolis, and uh, the Green Lantern, Hal goes flying backwards through uh, the Daily Planet's planet. Is the Daily know? Planet globe the piece of Metropolis that gets broken the most in fight? <laughs> like, Superman's always been thrown through it, or throwing a villain through it, and now Hal's just gone through it. It's a real ship of Theseus situation, isn't it, PJ? Because <laughs> Superman, with his, his incredible speed, could probably rebuild a new one in seconds, uh, and he probably would incorporate some of the original atoms into it, but... Is it still the original Daily Planet planet? Oh. It's been broken so many times. That's, that's a philosophical debate, isn't it? Probably not. Let's say no. They get a PJ, new one every it, time. It's been broken more times than we than, than we would have to release podcasts was to it, cover everything we want to talk about. Was it one of the live-action TV shows made it a hologram, which would make things like this much easier <laughs> to deal with? Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably what you install like, after the first year, Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you convince you convince the board that like uh, it's cheaper to pay for a hologram than yeah. to repeatedly replace this thing. But then we uh, see a, a bigger shot, and we've got Flash and Black Canary on the ground battling Appalachians, and uh, Hal is falling from the sky. Aquaman is stood on top of a building with Snapper, and he shouts for Jean to catch him, and also then shouts a warning to Flash and Black Canary. And what I like is, uh, you know, we've got all the Appalachians kind of down on the street. You know, some basically like some variants we've seen before. You've got like the blue fire guy, the tree guy, a rock guy. Um, and I also like that we just get a cameo from the yellow bird. Yeah, just, just his have, wing. <laughs> just have one giant golden wing going across the panel. <laughs> but Aquaman's sort of directing from the rooftop while also telling... He's like, where's Superman? We're in Metropolis. Look, Snapper, tell me everything you know. And it turns out Snapper knows everything because Simon Carr was very liberal with the details. Uh yeah, so, uh, you know, and then we get a bit of a recap, which is, you know, both a kind of a recap of the series, but also like the events that led to the founding of the League. So, yeah, it all goes back to the Appalachian invasion. So a few months ago, you know, seven aliens appeared. That's what brought the League together. You know, they had different weird host bodies where they were like different forms of matter. Um, you know, Superman was also involved, but he chose not to join. But they missed an an Appalachian. There was an eighth Appalachian, basically, mm -hmm. and um, he uh, he ended up in, I guess, taking over the body of um, Simon Simon Carter, who the the go between with the League's mysterious financier. Yes, yeah, but the, he he sort of hid in Simon's body, but he'd lie low whenever Jean was around because of Jean's telepathy. But then all the rest of the time, he was sending word home, and then. 
He got afraid that the league had caught on, so he beat up Snapper Carr, but Snapper got away after Simon had told him literally everything, as I say. <laughs> um, hubris. hubris but then the Appalachians sent out their fleet. And Aquaman says, well, how many? We fought seven originally. And Snapper says, 7,000? And there's this <laughs> wonderful panel of Aquaman looking at Snapper going, oh, no. It's like, you sly dog, you caught me monologuing. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so um, you know, uh, it doesn't look good for our heroes. Uh, meanwhile, on the street, Black Canary is about to be fried by uh, the fire, the fire man, the fire alien, and uh, but Flash races in to move her out of harm's way, and they have a little, um, they have a little chat. You know, he apologizes for saving her because, of course, she'd been complaining earlier. You know that they were always stepping in, didn't trust her to stand her own. Mm. Uh, and she's like, you know what? Okay, I'm. It's a. It's fine. I'm knackered. We've been doing this for like twenty four hours. So, yeah. God knows when they stop for food. But Flash knows something about a twenty four hour limit, and he's like, oh no, Green Lantern. And then we cut to Hal in the sky, going, oh, I've lost track of time. I forgot to recharge my ring. As he just starts falling, and he shouts to Jean for help, but Jean's like, I'm too busy punching this rock man. <laughs> <laughs> So he telepathically reaches out to Flash and says, look, Lantern's got this thing in a locker in, in California. you got to go get it. It's invisible, but I'll guide you telepathically. Uh, uh, yeah, and uh, I mean, he is for Flash. So, um, you know, he races all the way to, uh, you know, Howl's... <laughs> How's the locker in California? There is this nice moment where Snap is like, oh, God, Green Lantern. And Aquaman just says, stay relaxed. He is. Because Hal is fine. <laughs> yeah, and I guess it's, it's a nice moment of trust. Um, but also, you know, it is a proven fact that Hal is a an adrenaline junkie yeah. and, you know, flies experimental fighter jets. So he's probably not too freaked out by all this. And uh, can I just say, this page... Uh, again, it's it, uh, one of my favourite pages. I think a lot of my favourite pages in this book are Flash and Green Lantern pages, weirdly. Sure, sure, cool, <laughs> cool. But yeah, because Flash appears back on the scene and sort of takes a run up on a slope so he can leap into the air as Hal is falling. He just hands Hal his power battery and Hal says, took you long enough. And Flash says, let's go by touch. What do you want? See ya? And then we get this amazing sequence of Hal falling through the sky, reciting the oath. And then the final panel is just Green Lantern's light as he flies back into battle, fully charged, as Aquaman and Snapper cheer from a rooftop nearby. It's it's one of those moments that I think you've said before, It's it's is it necessary or is it cool? It is completely unnecessary, but my <laughs> God, is it cool? The um It's so it's so funny, isn't it? Like the, the Green Lantern Oath, it is almost quintessential comics. Yeah. Like it's so inherently well, I don't have a better word, so I'll just say silly. Yeah. Like, it, it's a silly thing, but good God, is it powerful. Like, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it, it still carries a weight. It, it's, it's a cheap trick, but whenever whenever someone recites it, you know, you go, oh, man, yeah, all right, I'm here for it. Especially when they're doing it in a, in a moment of jeopardy. <laughs> yes, indeed. I and I, it's also stupid, but again, it goes back to uh, Alan Moore. But I do occasionally think about that story mm. where, oh gosh, there's a they introduced the Green Lantern from the region of space that has no light, yeah. so they're all blind. So they they use sounds, and uh, God, that isn't like that. The, their variation on the Green Lantern oath is something like in 
in loudest din or hush profound, no evil shall escape my sound. Let those who worship evil's knell beware my power, the F sharp bell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's cool as well. That's, That's really cool. <laughs> Can't believe I remembered that. Um, but yeah, but Howl's back and... Um, you know, and uh, you see, uh, you see Aquaman and Snapper kind of cheering from the rooftop, which is kind of fun. And uh, you know, uh, sadly, their their joy is short lived because uh, a giant like rock hand kind of you know crushes the uh, the rooftop. But Hal reaches in to catch them, and uh, Jean goes back to doing what he does best, which is punching punching big rock yeah. men. But as Aquaman points out, it's it's too late. They've lost Metropolis, and you just see the giant Appalachians rampaging, and the League have to leave. And Black Canary says we have to stay and help the people, but Flash points out that the aliens are moving west and fast, so we have to move. We have to see if we can help the next city more than we did this one. And as the League race off, um, I, I don't want to criticise Black Canary's um, motorbike too much, but like... We've seen Flash run to California in, like, two seconds? Yeah. So, like, how fast can a motorbike go? It's, it's probably a really fast bike. And maybe, I don't know if Barry can do this at this point. Maybe he's lending it some speed. Oh, yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. I just We've seen him make a, a little um, rickshaw in a previous, a previous uh, issue. So, like, I was wondering if this is a rickshaw situation. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> hey, and PJ, even more cameo from cameos from everyone's favorite Golden Bergs. There is literally like a, a flock of them, like flying kind of out of the sun, yeah. basically. And then then we cut to Gotham City, and there's one just dropping stuff from the sky. <laughs> maybe I, I choose to believe that's for Batmobile. Oh yeah, maybe, maybe that's my rich fiction, basically. <laughs> but we're in Gotham because Simon Carr is here, and he doesn't know where the Justice League are. And one of the Appalachians who towers over him is saying, look, we haven't found them. We've got all the other heroes, but we don't have the Justice League because they're using teamwork. Who thought that would happen? The power of teamwork. I, I guess like their teamwork is better than the Metal Men's teamwork yeah, yeah. or um, the Challengers of the Unknown. Yeah. But this Appalachian is all like, don't worry, though, Will. I'll, I'll personally see to it. And Simon's like, no, no, no. I've asked you here for another reason. I'm going to steal your body and destroy your consciousness. And he does. And this guy is all like, no, I would have given it to you freely. But no, the Appalachian that was inside Simon Carr has now abandoned Simon's body and is in this giant, powerful, blue flaming body. Yeah, and uh, I guess we... we Is this the first time we've had the name of the of the alien? Yeah, I think possessing? so. Kalar? Kalar? Kalar, yeah. And uh, I also like uh, that... He says, uh, farewell, soldier. Give my regards to the plasm gogs above. <laughs> so we're learning something about Appalachian culture. Yeah. And then he turns around and says, as for you, Carr, you know far too much to continue living, but Simon Carr has disappeared. Apparently he just wandered off in a daze. <laughs> I don't think the Appalachians are very competent, people. No, I think they're just relying on being big and powerful, aren't they? Yeah, he's been monologuing. Uh, he's just let a frail old man... Uh, escape so yeah not great <laughs> but simon finds himself confused and next to a doorway and a hand reaches out and grabs him and pulls him in and it's our old friend vandal savage he's back pj he he's is back. back he is back and he says i was an ally of the appalachians now i'm their target but i've been watching you and i think you will give me the means to eliminate my enemies 
All of them. <laughs> because he's holding the device, PJ. Yes, he is holding the device. The same device that the that Kalar used to destroy the consciousness of whoever was in that body before and, and transfer over. Yes, indeed. So, you know, it's easy to forget that Vandal Savage is involved, but, you know, he, he definitely is. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, don't rule him out. Uh, as we cut to Midway City, and PJ, just remind me, who is who's the in-house superhero of Midway City? I can't remember. I can't remember either, actually, yeah. Um, but as we know in the DC Universe, and as confirmed in the JLA Avengers crossover, there is a lot more urban development on the east coast of, the, of America in the DC Universe. There are so many <laughs> more cities. Uh, and uh, yeah, things are not going well. Um, an Appalachian is. I've, blast- I've just, sorry, I've just looked it up. Uh, it looks like Midway City was uh, the home to two distinctive sets of superheroes: the Doom Patrol and Hawkman and Hawkwoman. Really? Oh well, there we go. I did not know the Doom Patrol were based there. I guess if we've been paying attention, PJ, was that where the? Yeah, um, it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hang on a minute. Yeah, of course, it's obvious now. <laughs> Um, anyhow, uh, Barry, the Flash, has just been blasted in the back by, by an alien, and, uh, Black Canary calls, calls him by his first name, because, yep. of course, they, they all know their names now, yep. but... and then we know. get another Golden Bird cameo. Golden Bird? Hi, I'm here. Do you think, like, <laughs> there were, like, I don't know, someone had shares in, like, Golden, Golden Bird I mean- at... at- We've seen a lot of Appalachians and a lot of forms, and a lot of forms multiple times, but for some reason the Golden Bird just stands out. I know. I it's it's funny. It's like you know, and and all the elements of nature are commanded. We have fire, wood, rock, earth, ice, and bird. And I reckon it's because the golden bird is the one that we also saw in the main JLA book, isn't it? So it's it's we've got a soft spot. <laughs> yeah, it is a little random. I uh, I wonder if Brian Augustine maybe was like investing in like golden bird action figures or something like you know this is this is going to be the real kind of standout hit from this series well that that issue of jla was i know it came after but it was written by mark wade was well co-written with devin grayson because it was the no land no man's land tie-in but yeah (laughs) golden bergs pj god love them they're the future um but yeah so uh you know uh, black canary goes to like you know comfort flash uh and he's like you know i'm all right i'm just winded uh, you know, what's uh, what would the JSA have done? Which, um, you know, I choose to believe is maybe like a little attempt at humour in a, in a dark <laughs> yeah. moment. Yeah, and um, they actually kiss. Yeah, know? and then they both look a bit surprised and and uncomfortable, and then Flash just super speeds up again and says, "Like we have to hold our ground. We can't stop the aliens on our own. We need help." And I know how. So they rush back to the Justice League's cave headquarters. We get a flashback to uh, the League going through Jean's files on all of the superheroes of the world, including Wing. Yes. So, PJ, could it have been that that previous picture wasn't... Um, uh, sorry, in, in uh, on page three or whatever, where we saw the prison, was that Wing rather than the Ray? They have similar... I, I don't know. Um no, you're right. I think it was probably the Ray. Because, yeah, the, the Wing has a red fin on his... I don't know anything about Wing. I really don't. Is, oh, I think he's one of the seven soldiers of victory at this yeah, point. Yeah, he's, he's one of the original seven soldiers. Was Wing the sidekick of the Shining Knight? Maybe. I feel he's... I feel Wing was the sidekick of someone. 
Uh, oh no, the he originals? was uh, Wing. Wing. His real name is Wing Howe. Okay. Oh, okay. He fought criminals alongside his employer, the Crimson Avenger. Oh. Oh. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm glad Wing got a moment. I yeah. All right. <laughs> We've probably spent more time talking about the Wing now than. You know, it's like it's like when you said Contest of Champions two. <laughs> I know more about that than I do about Wing. Um, if there's any Winter Soldiers listening, like you've said so many activation <laughs> phrases this this episode. Uh, but then they go through more files. We see Batman, the Metal Men, Johnny Quick, and the Sea Devils. The Sea Devils, PJ. The Sea Devils. Everyone's favourite aquatic science team. Do you think like Aquaman's like looking at the sea devils? He's like, you know, good God, these guys <laughs> crying out loud. Oh, what you could you could swim to a depth of 20, 20 feet as long as you don't spend more than forty nine minutes underwater yeah. to avoid the bends. <laughs> oh, good work, guys. Oh, crikey! But this flashback is the league going. We will never look through these files because they have people's secret identities and things in them, and we will never look at them. But we'll leave them here until we find out what to do. And <laughs> we got to the present, and they're all just gone. And John's got a hand on his head going, oh, my files. Yeah. Um, do you? Where do you stand on John having worked out all of Batman's secrets? That he has? Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you, think, do you yeah. think he would have? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he has. He has. He's worked out everyone's secrets. He knows Clark Kent is Superman. He knows Bruce Wayne is Batman. And uh, that is how the Appalachians trashed the Batcave. I know. I this is this I this is just like I was like, oh man, surely Batman would would have had a a counter a counter defense against an invisible psychic alien, but I suppose at this point in his career No, no, he's no. only in like the second year of his career, so no, he wouldn't. Yeah, this is this is a Batman you know, pre uh issue one of New World Order mm. where he has built a special device to mask his heartbeat from Superman. Yeah. <laughs> he hasn't had he hasn't had cause to come up with clever clever solutions yet. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, they left the, the boxes empty, PJ. Yeah. And Jean is very upset by this, and Hal and Barry realise that that's that's why no one else has joined the fight. Carr raided the files, and now the Appalachians have dossiers on every single hero in America, and everyone's been captured. Yeah, and I imagine um, Jean is not feeling pretty good right now. Yeah. In fact, Canary says, well, they've either been captured or maybe they've all been killed. The Appalachians might just murder them all. And Aquaman says, I got alive. Uh, They're alive. I've just spoken to the fish and they've told me that they're on Blackhawk Island. So it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Why? Just have interest, PJ. Why? I'm curious now. Why? Don't the Appalachians have the files on the Justice League? Well, I think they do, but the just- oh no, because the, the League each kept their own file, didn't they? That's what they say. Oh, sure. That there we go. There we go. Yeah, we'll take ours, but we'll leave the rest here until we can figure out what to do. So each member of the League had their own file. Yeah, they, and they maybe they ate them. Yeah, it's the only it's the only way to be safe. It is the only way to be safe. Yeah. <laughs> but Uh-oh. Aquaman says he can get them to Blackhawk Island but Flash says no they'll be expecting us so we need the element of surprise I have a plan and then some Appalachians burst into the cave and kidnap the Justice League yeah um, if, if there's something weirdly um, funny about like uh, just a group of Appalachians standing outside the cave entrance carrying, carrying like what looks like you know 
a bunch of fabric, you know, they've got they've got something prepared. But it just looks like a bunch of dudes that are going like, all right, guys, yeah, we're all gonna we're going in together, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, on the count of three. Okay, and now, and then they, and then they leap in with their special, uh, their special bonds for containing the league members. Yeah, which just seem to be restraints for Barry, Diner, and Arthur, but then yellow energy goo for Hal and a fire cage for Jean. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess, um, I guess the Appalachians as a as a spacefaring you know, species have never encountered a Green Lantern before, but thankfully they had Zhong's, you know, Zhong's kind of reports. And, uh, yeah, and of course, you know, it doesn't take a, a genius to know. You can just burn Zhong yeah. and, uh, and then he won't be too happy. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, so we, we also understand why the Appalachians are going to the effort of imprisoning the superheroes. Uh, it's not that they just want to defeat them. Uh, they want to learn from them, PJ, yes. using a scalpel. They want to they learn their powers and adapt them into their own body. Yeah, yeah. So then we cut to Blackhawk Island where Speedy is scared and Green Arrow says, don't be scared, be brave. We're Green Arrow and Speedy. We always win. Ha ha. We fight until all hope is gone as then the Appalachians fly the Justice League into the prison. The final heroes who are holding out. Yeah, I kind of feel like um, it's got to be rough if you're Speedy yeah. or or wing because it's like okay like you know they the league have already made comments about how green arrow doesn't have any superpowers and all that but you know he makes up for it by you know a lot of a lot of chutzpah and then you've also got speedy he was like a slightly worse green arrow yep. so yeah i don't know <laughs> bless him he's trying but they're uh they're holding green lantern in the yellow shackles and they're like we're gonna squeeze all everything out of you and then green lantern uses a sonic scream to shatter the rock Appalachian. Now, I don't understand how they've disguised Black Canary as Green Lantern, and they don't explain it, so we'll just gloss over that. Um, It was... Actually, PJ, I do know. It's a very simple explanation. Yes. Uh, and I'm going to tell you now. Um, They used green... They used Howl's ring to make a, to make a, a, a kind of exoskeleton around black canary that looked like hal and it was green but then they painted it to look like flesh i will accept this explanation <laughs> thank you thank you Pete. well it's, it's the only one that makes sense because barry and aquaman are both blonde so they've just swapped costumes so aquaman <laughs> or flash vibrates out of his shackles i assume hal must be jean and i assume he's just created a green Jean and then borrowed Jean's cape and harness or something to get out of the fire cage. Jean has shapeshifted into Black Canary, so fires Martian vision at another Appalachian. And then Aquaman in Flash's costume is super strong, so just busts out of his restraints. Yeah, um, uh, with um, a uh, like a little radiating... I, I assume he's like not only breaking out of his restraints, but he's like uh, kind of, I don't know, sending a fish message yeah. or something. Yeah. You get like that, that little circle. Yeah. The thing is like... If if Aquaman is just strong enough to break out of the restraints, uh, but they did construct restraint. They they basically the Appalachians made like shackles for Aquaman, yeah, which they felt were strong enough to contain him. Yeah. Now, admittedly, they were they weren't to know that it wasn't Aquaman they put in those restraints. But what I'm saying is they had the technology to make restraints which are too strong for Aquaman to break through. Wouldn't you just use that technology as standard? I'd be like, that's really good. Maybe you this know. is a prototype. 
Maybe it's a prototype feature. Yes, maybe. Maybe they, they're working on a budget and they didn't have that much kind of tech to, uh, to spread around. <laughs> exactly. But I don't know. Green Arrow is very happy to see them. Yeah, Green Arrow's, uh, Green Arrow's chuffed. Um, you know, I'm trying to recognize some of the heroes behind him. I think we've got Speedy. We've got uh, Starman, Starman, I believe. Starman, yeah. Uh, Shining Knight, I think Johnny Quick, the Mighty Atom, and a lady I don't recognise, actually. Uh, yeah, it's just a blonde lady, so it's hard to tell, unfortunately. Could it be... Could it be... God, I'm just scanning back through the previous panel, trying to make sense of this. Uh, no, it, it could conceivably be Liberty Bell. Yeah, possibly. Again. possibly. Yeah, just... I don't know. Just, just, just a woman. She's just here. Uh, but yeah, so... Um, uh they're back pj our heroes they rally and uh they're starting to um they're starting to beat up the aliens and pj i think i think this proves that i am correct yeah yeah to be fair because flash says to hal nice disguise work i've got to get a ring like that and hal says one of a kind friend except all the other green lanterns who have them Shh, it's fine i mean that's maybe he's just wishing he was kyle As, as hal frees superman from his restraints and uh yeah and of course we see uh, a super strong uh flash as well kind of punching punching a wood because yeah. of co- a woodman because of course uh it isn't flash it's aquaman and, and aquaman doing a, a flash whirlwind arm movement because it's actually flash and then they swap costumes between panels as flash runs over to the the heroes who require weapons so we have shining knight liberty bell green arrow sandman but original wesley dodds sandman starman green lantern Golden Age, classic. Uh, and then, oh, what's her name? Doll Lady? Phantom Lady. Phantom Lady, that's it. And, oh my God, the guy wearing the turban. I don't know I who can't he is. Rem- I can't remember his name. Is um, he? Um, no, I don't, I don't know. What's bizarre is that I, a few months ago, I randomly read uh, a Swamp Thing trade paperback in my local library written by grant morrison and mark miller and that character was a bad guy in it i've gone to the dc wiki that is sargon the sorcerer there you go sargon <laughs> but also a kind of throwback to the kind of like 50s stuff you know the idea of like a parlor magician sort of thing yeah 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 so and, and then you get this great moment where you know green arrow points out their weapons are in the north building and there's a panel of these Appalachians looking at these weapons one of them has accidentally set off whatever phantom lady's weapon is he's like oh no as flash runs in in the background and then in the next panel the heroes just have their weapons but it's like they're in the same positions so the Appalachian had starman's rod starman is stood there with the rod one of them had Sargon's gems, the so Sargon's in that position, arrows, bow, etc. And now they've all got their weapons, and then Flash just starts barking orders. And <laughs> you get this amazing shot of two Green Lanterns, Alan Scott and Hal Jordan, Superman, the Human Bomb, Starman, and Doctor Fate just letting fly at a wall. <laughs> so, um, I thought... Now, again, I, I, I don't know a massive amount about Phantom Lady, but I thought she had the power of vis- invisibility. So I don't know what's going on here because it's like a kind of black light kind of thing, makes me think very uh, Eclipso sort of um, sort of vibe. And also, um, apart from you know, Superman was chained. Obviously, how are they containing Doctor Fate? It's a good question. 
I don't have an answer. I have looked up Phantom Lady's powers and abilities, and equipment includes a black light ray, which had the ability to blind her opponents and make herself invisible. Ah, uh, well, there we go. And frankly, you know, if anybody's going to know what these characters can do, it's Mark Wade. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, no shade on Brian Augustine. I'm just not as familiar with your your body of work, but like, mm. Mark Wade knows stuff. This yes. is this is why he's here, basically. Yeah. And so as as they burst out of the wall, Flash announces the aliens may have taken the world, and then he says, "But we're taking it back." As we get a double page spread of the assembled heroes, and it's and, a it's a motley crew. Uh, yeah, and again, this if ever proof was needed that there are just like so many flipping superheroes active at this point, um, and that this is entirely a love letter to uh, uh, an era in DC continuity. Um, yeah, God, there's a lot of them. Um, I see uh, Doctor Midnight, Liberty Bell, Sandman, Ray, Black Condor, Starman, Shining Knight, the original Blue Beetle, Plastic Man, Two Green Lanterns, Hawkman, Hawk Girl, Negative Man, Elastic Girl, um, J. Uh, oh, um, the Genie, uh, JJ Thunder's Genie. Oh Did yes, genie Johnny Thunder. Johnny Thunder. Sorry, yeah. Um, Metamorpho. Two Flashes, The League, Batman, Superman, uh, The Mighty Atom, Mercury, Phantom Lady, Johnny Quick, and Wing, and I have to assume... The Crimson uh, Avenger. <laughs> the Crimson Avenger, yeah. Um, again, not the characters I thought they were. I think I was getting confused with Shining Knight and Wing, because, I don't know, they're both wearing kind of like yellow bucket helmets. Yeah, yeah, I probably. But yeah, so The League of... Oh. I'm sorry, and Dolman shaking oh, yep. hands with Atom. Yes, there we go. Atom, who's slightly coloured wrong, I think, but there we go. Uh, oh, and there's a... Um, we can just see about a half square centimetre of um, our man's head, Dr. Fate, and a guy with a domino mask. I don't know who that is. Oh, yes, yeah. I don't, I'm not sure who that's supposed to be either. But yes, yeah, so the League have freed all of the world's superheroes, and they are about to fight back. And that is... We get those three little words to be concluded. It's coming to an end, PJ. Only one what issue of JLA Year One left. Uh, there we go, PJ. So Ooh. I, I think uh, I'm not, I'm not going to count the pages because I'm, I, I think it's unnecessary. But I think that was a slightly shorter issue, maybe even by a page, because it ends on a double page spread. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, probably actually. Or maybe they just swap the adverts around. Maybe so. Maybe In so. But book. yeah, yeah, uh, unconventional to end on a end on a on a double page spread. But there we go. So yeah, um, quite a compact episode. Like it's 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 pure action, to be honest. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot going on. <laughs> Twenty-two pages. I've just counted. Sorry, how many pages? Twenty-two. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. It is the exact the exact number of pages it should be. Yeah. So they must have just moved the adverts around in the actual comic. But yeah, it's a lot happens. Uh, but it's it's all so good. I <laughs> I think the the league stuff when they're battling the Appalachians is brilliant, and then those cameos and the effects that are the the Justice League have. This this is the moment where the heroes like yeah, the Justice League is the real deal. That's cool. There are um, a few moments which I think are a little, uh, for lack of a better word, cutesy. 
Like, and I, but I think it's also, be, I, I think the creative team are kind of deliberately telling us a more silver agey kind of story. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think, I think the bit where, the bit where they, they literally run to check on a box and then find the box is empty. Yeah, I was, I was a bit like, oh, that's that's a bit of a weird little scene. Like, it, it it's it's fine. It it completely drives the story forward in the way it needs to. But I'm a bit like, oh man, could could that have been a memo or something? <laughs> like, but again, I I think it's I think it's what they're trying to do. I think I think it's the story. Yeah, ex- no, I agree completely. I think so. I think it's, I'm I'm more than happy with that moment. I just love the idea that like the fate of the world kind of rested on one crate. That they they just kind of put on a shelf somewhere. And One crate of on. folders. It's nice to see the league um, coming together. You know, they they seem to have. You know, I think we can safely say that some of their their trust issues are in the past now. Yeah, they're working effectively as a team now, and you get lots of little moments of that with just moments of teamwork between the league throughout the issue, which are which are great. And except and the contrast of. Like an example is Flash saving Black Canary in this issue, whereas in a previous issue he's done the same thing. She's been stop saving me, and in this one she's like, "Thank you for saving me." <laughs> yeah, I th- I think there's like a kind of um, like a they they definitely seem less un I guess more kind of a sh- sure of themselves even in this even in these kind of darker moments. I guess like you know there's a certain we've been doing this long enough now. Like I guess they've been doing it eleven months where yeah. you know they feel a bit more confident. I'm just looking at a big double spread of, um, you know, all the characters. And uh, I kind of realised that, of course, there's no Wonder Woman. Because, of course, there's no Wonder Woman. No, she's not around yet. Yeah, which is just really weird. I know. I still find that, I still find that really weird. You know, she's so iconic. And then she's just not kind of a part of this universe at this time. It's baffling. But like Phantom it, Lady is. It doesn't make any sense. But, yeah, it, it is what it is. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, uh I, I don't know if there's much more to say, to be honest. I mean, um, Vandal Savage, you know, again, kind of blinking, you miss him. Um, he, he, I, I don't think he has a massive role to play in the overall series. Like, you know, he, he's clearly got some stuff still to do, and we'll be seeing a bit more of him, I imagine. But, like, um, he does kind of just pop up every now and then to just remind you he exists, and then he's gone again as quickly as you'd imagine. Yeah. Yeah, because, well... Just setting him up, isn't it, for an appearance in the final issue? You know, PJ, on the I, I'm sure we'll talk about it next issue, but uh, it's nice to see that on the cover of the concluding chapter, uh, the Sea Devils make it make an appearance. Well, as they should. As well, they should. I mean, uh, that's indeed. that's what uh, we're all here for, isn't it? Everybody's here for that sweet Sea Sea Devil action. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, God, I'm trying to think of as much more to say. I mean, it's 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 a fun little romp. I think uh, it's 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 only earned it. I think if you if this was like the first issue of a series, it might feel a little kind of inconsequential. But because like we've spent so much time with these characters, and there has been a lot of character development, like a lot of kind of slow personal moments, which I've really loved. Yeah, I think this is the reward now. I think you do get to just kind of. I don't know. You've you've wound up all your all your toys, and you can just let them kind of play out now. Yeah, know? agreed. Yeah. How do you feel, PJ? Knowing there's only one issue left, I feel like there's a lot of toys left to play <laughs> with, and um, yeah, I'm I'm excited that we're we're hitting the final issue next time out, and it's it's another fun one, and then that's it. We've reached the end of year one. 
which is weird. I, I do wonder if um, the next uh, issue might be longer than usual. I like think a, it is slightly. Just I haven't again. I haven't counted, but just at a glance, it feels slightly thicker. I am having a little flick through now. I, I'm not. This isn't going to be an exact number, but I think it is definitely longer than 22 pages. Yeah, it looks it. Bordering on double length. Bordering I on mean, double lengths. I feel like they've earned it. I think so. I I, I think that's good in a way because I, I think it'll be nice to it'll be nice to end on something on something meaty, you know. Yeah, and you know it's it's a lot of action, but um. So, you know, it, it won't take that much longer to cover. <laughs> but there we go. it's really well done action. And we get some, some more golden birds. So I'm happy. Do we have much more to say, PJ? I don't think so. I think, um, yeah, I'm just excited to get to the end. Yeah, yes. <laughs> not, not that we're trying to, like, hurry it along. But no, I think, but like, you know, I'm excited to get now. to the end and I'm excited to decide what we're going to do next. Indeed. Well, I have some thoughts. PJ has some thoughts. Well, PJ, PJ's been the organised one. PJ's got lists. PJ's I, got I, like. I do have a list. PJ's been collating things on the Morrison Mopper, but I think there's going to be some fun, fun scuff coming up after this. Hopefully. Uh, so on that note, PJ, um, you know, if, if we have exhausted this avenue of pleasure, talking about issue eleven, yeah, uh, is, is there anything else you'd like to bring up or shout about? Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm fine, thank you. Um, I will say that. Um, Next weekend, so the last weekend of October, um, I will be at... Um, actually, no, wait, when is this coming out? Hang on a minute. No, this will come out after it. PJ, I, <laughs> I messed it up. No, this will be out. It'll be too late. I will have already been at MCM London. That's all I was going to say. I was going to say, come join me at MCM. But if you're listening to this, it's already happened. And I'm now like in a puddle on the floor trying to recover. If you saw John at MCM London, I hope you said hello and that he was nice to you. Yeah, and um, I, I would like to apologise for my behaviour in that incident <laughs> on that day when I did that thing. So, yeah, I'm very sorry. Uh, PJ, I guess I should say a massive thank you to Gav Mitchell for drawing our cover artwork. And uh, a huge thank you as well to Elliot Red for composing and performing our amazing theme tune, Justice. And uh, if you enjoy listening to PJ and I, you can find us on, you know, um, various platforms. Our details are in the description. Although, given the way social media is going of late, who knows where what we'll actually be saying and, you know, where we'll be. But, um, yeah, PJ, um, it's been an absolute pleasure. As would always. You please, oh, uh, thank you, PJ, as always, as always. Uh, would you please see us off in your own unique fashion? Oh, we're nearly only one more year one. One year one left. What? No. 